Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Retail nurseries here on the West Coast are already getting in shipments of berry plants and fruit trees. The rest of the country will start seeing the arrival of these tasty, edible, and beautiful crops throughout the winter. Shop early for the best selection because most nurseries will only be getting in one shipment. But which fruit trees or berry plants should you get? Which ones taste the best? Which ones are right for your area? Today we talk with Phil Purcell from wholesale grower Dave Wilson Nursery. He'll help you plan your 2023 fruit garden and orchard. Remember, the healthiest food you can eat is the food you grow yourself. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, and we're brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. Let's go. The weather may not be perfect for outdoor gardening, so how about some indoor planning for your next garden for 2023? It's the time to plan what you want to plant, where you want to put it, and you need some help to figure out what do I plant, especially in the way of fruit or nut trees or vines and berries and things like that. What do I want to plant? To help us through, figure out what to plant and where to plant it. Maybe we'll choose some taste test winners. Maybe we'll choose trees that are just nice looking trees. We'll find out because we're talking with Phil Purcell of Dave Wilson Nursery, wholesale grower based in California. They sell their fruit and nut trees and berries and vines and ornamental plants to states throughout the West, Midwest and Southwest. And Phil, the easy question to ask right off is what's new? such a busy time of year for us. We're in the middle of harvesting all of our trees, getting them graded, and getting ready to go out. That brings up a very good question. You talked about grading trees and harvesting trees. Talk about that process of actually getting the trees into the retail nurseries. What all is involved? What the heck is all out there at Dave Wilson Nursery? Okay, the people, when they go to the nurseries and they see these trees, they really have no idea of what it takes to grow a tree. Most of our trees are two years old from the time we plant the rootstock to we graft them to we grow them. We got a good year and a half, two years of uh, manpower into them. This time of year usually starts right after Thanksgiving when things start to go dormant. This is known as our harvest season. We call it our dig out. And it's at this time that we start to dig our, I think this year we're going to be close to 4 million trees digging them out of the ground. And that's between the home garden division, and the commercial division. So what this entails is that once the trees go dormant, we have a machine called the GK digger. And it goes up and down all of our rows, and it undercuts the root system, and uh, and it actually lifts them out of the ground to the point where we can have our, our workers out there go ahead and throw them onto a trailer. And we take this trailer into a one-acre grading barn. And what the grading barn is, is that's really the, the heart of the dig out. At this point, our trees by variety are hand graded. And when I say graded, it, we grade everything on the caliper size of the tree and by the variety. And this is when trees that don't make the standard that they will nursery sets gets cold out. So we make sure that the trees that, you know, too small or it might be a little crooked. We go ahead and at this point, we grade them out. So when it goes to this grading barn, each tree is hand graded by caliper size. And then it goes to the next section where it's bundled in bundles of five. And then it gets loaded onto another trailer, which we send down to what we call our river bottom. That's our holding facility. And it's just a big healing in ground. It's about 50 acres. And we stage our trees there by variety until we're ready to deliver them. And we go ahead, assemble them out of the river bottom, then we ship them to our retailers. So that's what we're probably about 25% through at this time. 
it's a huge operation to get the trees out to the public. And if people want to see this big machine in action, I know on the Dave Wilson Nursery YouTube page, you can find that video of that big dig out. Yeah, these GK diggers, it's just fascinating what they can do. And at that time, you can see all the work it gets into getting these trees that are fuel grown. You know, we have to knock the soil off and then the whole process. So we do have that on our website. And it's really interesting to see. You explain that grading is done by caliper size. Explain caliper size. So the caliper size is the diameter of the tree. So when we fuel grow these, all these trees are grown, grown about six inches apart. So right next to each other, you can have three quarter inch, really sturdy tree. And right next to it could be a three eighths inch tree. And the difference between the two is that a larger tree is something that a wholesale grower would want to put into, let's say, a 10 or 15 gallon container, where a smaller caliper tree is something that you would see in a smaller container in the retail, in in the retail marketplace. So what we have to do is instead of just shipping, whether it's an independent garden center or a wholesale grower, a mixture, we make sure that each bundle that they receive, all the trees are identical in size. And that's how they order it from us. You mentioned that it is judged by the basically the diameter of the trunk. How tall are these trees when you dig them out? The average height of these trees when we dig them out are approximately about six and a half feet tall between six, six and a half feet tall. They actually grow much taller during the season, but we top them at that point because we feel that, number one, it's for loading onto a truck. It has to fit in laterally onto the truck, but it, it allows people to make the decision if they want to go ahead and have a higher canopy from the get-go or start with the lower canopy, whereas something, let's say, like our commercial growers, those trees generally go out at around 40 inches because that's what a commercial grower wants. He wants low scaffolding. But we tend to get a little bit of resistance when we send a commercial style tree into the home garden market because when a consumer goes out there and they're happy and they're excited about buying the Red Baron Peach, they just want that big tree. So that's what we do. We, we supply them the big tree. Always we tell them though, it's best to cut it low start with that low branching. I always enjoy watching you doing fruit tree planting demonstrations of bare root trees because it always involves the drama of taking your long-handled loppers and basically cutting that tree in half to the shock and horror of everybody watching. Exactly. Everyone, when they see that, the gasps that come out of everyone's mouth, they can't believe I'm doing it. But then I explain to them the whole process, science behind having a tree that if it has a lower scaffolding from the very beginning, it's still going to get as tall as they want, but they're able to control the height, and then it just makes it easy to pick the fruit. And it doesn't make sense to start off with an eight-foot tree. In two years, you're never going to be able to reach that fruit. Now, you mentioned your commercial customers, and we should point out for those that don't know that Dave Wilson Nursery is a large supplier of almond trees to the California farming industry. And those are the trees that go out at 40 inches, correct? Correct. And at that point, the farmer will cut them down to, generally speaking, about 30 inches. So they still prune. From the 40 inches down. As we like to say, cut it off at the knee. Cut it off at the knees. Exactly. All right. And I I think the whole purpose of this for the home gardener, want to start fruit and nut trees low because really you want to be standing on the ground when you end up picking nuts or fruits as opposed to getting on a ladder. And the easiest way to do that is get it right from the start. Exactly. Cut them off at the knees. If you have a tall tree and you try to bring the level down, it's more of a challenge than if you just from day number one, you start with a shorter tree and then you keep it at the height that you want. Now, in the old days, we remember You would go to a nursery here in California in January and behind the nursery would be this raised bed of sawdust and all the bare root fruit trees, which basically are sticks with roots, they would be in that bed of sawdust and you would pick out the tree, look at the roots and not knowing what you're looking at, you'd say, "Okay, I'll take this one. And now, though, many retail nurseries, even though you're still shipping them bare root, many nurseries are now putting their bare root fruit trees in containers for a lot of good reasons. Correct. So what's been very popular out here on the West Coast is taking my bare root tree 
and putting them into biodegradable pulp pots. And what this allows, it, it allows the homeowner the option of, they can pull it out of that pull pot right away and stick it in the ground. But let's say we have a wet winter praying for this year, and you can't get to planting that, that fruit tree that you bought maybe a few days ago, and you might not, the ground might be saturated for two weeks, you can't get it. With this biodegradable pull pot, you're able to plant whenever you're ready, because it, what all it's doing is it's rooting itself into this pulp pot, and it's now at your schedule when you're able to plant it. A lot of this was developed because of just the changing marketplace and the acceptance of the younger generation not being very familiar with just planting a bare root tree. So a lot of the independent garden centers have decided to adapt and they listen to their clientele and it's just people seem to be more comfortable with the tree in a pot. So that's how these solutions come about. And another good reason for doing that on a retail nursery basis is it makes for a nicer display when you have potted up plants, even though it may just be a bare root fruit tree, it looks nice with the rest of the inventory at the nursery when it's potted up. It does. And then most of the nurseries use this opportunity to go ahead and prune the tree up in advance for the homeowner. It's just, it's ready to go. And then a lot of it is they, this allows the nurseries to keep their employees busy during the slowest time of year. And that's they take advantage of doing this with the planting straight into containers than just the old fashioned bare root way, where at the end of spring, anything you had left over would need to be pot up in containers. But now they're faced with the crunch of the spring cells going on, and it's, it just becomes a log jam for them. But they've adapted and understood when things are slow, this is the time to go ahead and take advantage of the situation. And you mentioned, too, that after out there at Dave Wilson Nursery on the growing grounds, you've harvested and graded those trees. You take them back down to the river bottom area where it's muddy soil and you heal them in, which is a habit that a lot of homeowners, unfortunately, never got into when they were buying bare root fruit trees that hadn't been potted up. They might take that stick, which is wrapped in newspaper and wet sawdust, take it home and put it out on the back patio, just laying there and forget that, oh, this is a living plant, it needs water. And they don't heal it in into a raised bed or a bare patch of dirt like they should until they get around to planting it. And now by potting it up, as so many nurseries do, that takes that problem out of the equation. Absolutely. It's the enemy of a fair root tree is drying out. And in fact, I should have mentioned this before, from the time that we dig our trees what we do is the first thing that happens is it goes under a, a sprinkler rain canopy and we drench the the roots. And from there, we actually store them in a rain barn until they're ready to get into our processing. And from the rain barn to the river bottom, it's generally less than a half hour time that the trees are exposed because we want to make sure all those roots stay moist. So it's key that if you do buy a, an old-fashioned bare root tree and you get it and bring it home from a nursery, that doesn't mean you can just leave it in the plastic bag for two weeks. You got to go ahead and heal that tree in at your house right away, whether that's in a compost pile or a sand pile or a bag of potting soil or something. You, you got to make sure those you wet the roots and you make sure they're covered, protect them from the drying out and actually protect them from freezing too. So what some people may think is that when you're digging out these uh, fruit trees from the ground, that uh, you're keeping the soil that they were planted in around the roots, but you're not. You're washing that soil off. We wash them off. They're completely sterilely clean roots than when we send out there. That's just the nature of the bare root business. And if you think about it, if it still had soil on there, the load capacity on shipping would diminish because, you know, of the weight of it. Yes, we wash all the roots out and from there they get loaded onto the truck and sent out to the independent garden centers. I've told you about Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planters. They're sold worldwide. Smart Pots are proudly made 100% right here in the USA. They're BPA-free and lead-free, making them safe for growing vegetables and other edibles. Well, the folks at Smart Pots have added a new product to their lineup 
perfect for building the healthiest soil imaginable for your garden by composting. It's the Smart Pot Compost Sack, a large 100-gallon fabric bag that's lightweight yet extremely durable and lasts for years. It can hold 12 cubic feet of pure compost. This rugged fabric is entirely porous, containing many micropores that allow for air circulation and drainage. It's easy to start a compost pile with the Smart Pot Compost Sack. Just open the sack, set it on level ground, and start adding your compostable materials, grass clippings, vegetable peelings, coffee grounds, and more, as well as fallen leaves, straw, and shredded paper. Next, place the optional cover over the sack. That's all there is to it. Smart Pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. You can find the location nearest you at their website, and you can buy it online from Smart Pots. Just visit smartpots.com slash Fred. And don't forget that slash Fred part, because on that page are details about how, for a limited time, you can get 10% off your Smart Pot order by using the coupon code FRED, F-R-E-D. Do it at checkout from the Smart Pots store. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information about the complete line of Smart Pots lightweight, colorful, award-winning fabric containers and their new compost sack. And don't forget get that special Farmer Fred 10% discount. It's Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Let's get back to planting our fruit tree orchard for 2023 with Dave Wilson Nursery's Phil Purcell. I think 20 minutes ago, I asked you the question, what's new? And I know that a lot of people want smaller trees, so they're migrating to what are considered dwarf fruit trees. And I know that at Dave Wilson Nursery, you offer several varieties. One of my favorites is the Garden Gold Peach, which is just gorgeous. It maxes out at four feet, five feet tall and just has a beautiful canopy to it. But you've got other new miniature white peaches out there and a nectarine, too. You've got the Snow Babe miniature white peach and a miniature nectarine called Arctic Sprite. Yeah, for years, it, the miniature nectarines and miniature peaches are a novelty. And these are just miniature by nature. They're not genetically modified or engineered. They just happenstance that these trees were found years ago, and they just naturally grew smaller. Working with the Zager family over the years, and they're, at, they're the foremost producers of peaches and nectarines in the world. They've come up with some fantastic, just unbelievable flavors. We feel surpass what you find in a, a grocery store. And these are in these miniature nectarines and peaches. And literally, they grow to mature hives without pruning, about five to six feet. Some of them even stay a little bit smaller. And the kind of the neat thing about all these miniature peaches and nectarines is their blossoms, every single one put on a show in the spring that's unbelievable. The colors are just intense. And like you say, the new varieties that we're starting to offer are the flavors are just incredible on them. That's how they've been bred now. It's just so we've gone from the old Bonanza and El Dorado peaches, which were like I say, the just started the whole category to all these full-flavored varieties working with the Zager family. Now, you mentioned flowering fruit trees. I think that deserves a few minutes to talk about because maybe you want maybe a row of really gorgeous-looking trees in the springtime when they're all in bloom or a focal point fruit tree that's noted for its blossom. may not be noted for the quality of the fruit, but the flowers are outstanding. And there are all sorts of flowering almonds, flowering apricots, cherries, peaches, nectarines, crab apples, pears, and plums that are all ornamental flowering winners, really. What are some of your favorites among those? Probably the showstopper, showstoppers, and the Asian community loves this. It's known as an early flowering red, and it's a double red flowering peach. And generally speaking, it always coincides with Chinese New Year's. So it's a good luck tree. And in fact, the, the flower markets out in San Francisco, they buy these trees and they sell sprigs of them. Once they grow them out in their orchard, and they actually sell sprig through the Asian marketplace. And so that's the popularity of the early flowering reds has just gone crazy. A fantastic peach, which puts on, we call it putting on a show, known as the Red Baron Peach, which once again, the 
dark red flower and the fruit itself is, I mean, it is just spectacular. But so there's a lot of different ways you can play around with fruiting or flowering trees in your garden to make it a dual purpose. We should point out, too, about the Red Baron is uh, that is actually a very tasty piece of fruit, too. It is. It's one of my favorite. It's that true old fashioned acidic peach flavor that you get in that yellow peach, it, as opposed to white peaches tend to have a higher sugar content, less acid. So it, it's more of a sweet, super sweet treat. But this uh, this Red Baron is like that old fashioned peach that you remember as a kid. There are a lot of interesting new crosses out that people may not be aware of, and they may be wondering exactly what they are. Things like the pluary. What the heck is a pluary? So the pluary has become my favorite fruit. In fact, I have four of them in my backyard. In Dave Wilson Nursery, we only have four. And what a pluary is, it is a cross between a plum and a cherry. And people think, oh, here they go again. It's genetically modified. Nope. It's the old Luther Burbank hybridization process where Cherries and plums are from the same genus. So the pollen is interchangeable. And by doing this, you come up with new fruit type. The pluary happens to be one that is just really, it's starting to get introduced in the marketplace, but it is so versatile. First thing is the fruit is a little smaller in size. Think about it halfway between a cherry and a, a plum. They really hang on the trees for a long time. So I had the sweet treat blueberry, and I planted it when it first came out. And so I've had it now for, boy, a good almost 10 years. And the amount of fruit that it produces is just mind-boggling. And the nice thing about blueberries, you can eat them hard ripe, or you can let them hang on the tree for a month, pick them soft ripe. Unlike, say, something like the Santa Rosa plum, which tends to produce all of its fruit within a week or so, Pluaries have a long hang time, so you don't have to worry about getting all the fruit at once. We have early varieties, mid varieties, later varieties. And the fruit quality, it's, it, pluaries tend to be the highest bricks count, and that's the amount of sugars that you'll get on a fruit. So that's why they've become super popular. Very easy takeover, adaptable to low chill, high chill areas. And it's just the fact that the fruit hangs so long makes it a perfect tree for a homeowner. And a beautiful fruit as well. One of the pluaries, I think it's one of your newer introductions, is the candy heart. And that has just a beautiful heart shape to it. It's a heart-shaped fruit. It has a kind of a little bit more of a plum purple outside, but you, you bite into it and it's just red and juicy. And the flavor is just, it's amazing. In fact, it was one of our taste test winners on a previous taste test that we had with the industry. And I think another popular pluary these days is the flavor punch. It is. The flavor punch is a very late variety. The one thing that we do in the home garden market, and if you go onto our website, you can see we have a harvest chart, is that we want people to make sure that they have fruit through the whole season. That's why I so like this on the pluary. Even though we only have four, we have a early, a mid, a little bit later in a, a late season so that you can have fruit for the whole time frame. And that's something to really consider when you're, let's say you're plotting out an orchard. Do your homework because you don't want all your fruit coming during the same week every single year. You're going to get bombarded. So plan your orchard so that you have fruit in May all the way through October. Heck, you can even go all the way to December with the persimmons. But make sure you stagger the fruit so you're not getting all your fruit at one time. Yeah, that harvest chart that you have, a great reference, especially for us gardeners here in California, for finding the varieties that can literally take you through five months of the year. It so does. if you like peaches, there are varieties that you can be planting that extend all the way from yeah, May through Oktoberfest. That's our last of our peaches, which is a fantastic variety. Like its name says, it's, it ripens in October. All right, May to October for peaches. And understand with this harvest chart, even though it's based on the dates of California, it doesn't matter where you are in the nation. It might be a condensed time, but it's still going to go ahead. If you follow it, maybe you're in the Midwest. And even though we have a variety that says it's the beginning of June, for you it might be July, but it's still going to follow the same sequence on this chart. 
So you can still use this as a planning tool. We'll have a link to the Dave Wilson Nursery Harvest Chart in today's show notes so you can check it out for yourself so that when you go to the nursery and you're picking out fruit trees, you can mix the varieties that you're buying so that you get that extended harvest as opposed to buying two different varieties that may all ripen, say, in early July. Let's talk about what's showing up at the nurseries right now and among your farmer's market favorites. And these are usually the first arrivals at nurseries, especially in USDA Zone 9, are the blueberries. And boy, oh boy, if there's a plant that I enjoy, it's a blueberry. But it's nice to have several varieties that ripen at different times so you can extend that blueberry harvest. We like to think that blueberries for the, let's say, the new gardener getting into the great plant to start with. But we really like people to plant those blueberries in containers, larger containers. Because that way you can go ahead and control the acidity of the soil. If you were to plant a blueberry into the ground, and let's say you're in the area that the soil is not is not ideal for blueberries, you might not have success. But a beginning gardener, can, they can go onto our website and they can see us planting blueberries. You put it in a container, as long as you just follow some simple rules on the soil mixture, you're going to have success with it. Plant two or three varieties. Now you have an early, a mid, and a late season blueberry. You just go out and pick whenever you want. Speaking of that, we'll have a link in the show notes as well on blueberry planting tips in containers. That will tell you more about the best containers for blueberries, the best sort of soil mix to use, and how to maintain that low pH of around 5.5 to 6.0 that blueberries thrive in. Absolutely. Like I say, blueberries, it's a great for beginners, but then it's definitely a plant that an experienced gardener enjoys having to. Yeah, and they're fairly easy care as well. I look forward to blueberry harvest every May through July. Yeah, they're very pest-free. They're just like just they're, they're and they also give you some really fall, nice fall color to turn scarlet, orangey, red, and it, it's a nice plant for container gardening. So what else is showing up at USDA Zone Nine Nurseries now in the way of farmers market favorites so besides like blueberries? Said, yeah, we have a we have a program that we developed a few years back called the Farm Market Favor Program. And in the old days, blueberries and blackberries and raspberries were actually sold as bare root little plugs. And people would struggle with them. You take them home and they try out and people didn't have success. So what we did is we de- developed a system where we plant them in these liner pots and we send them out in boxes so that the the home gardener has a plant that's ready to go whenever they're ready. Right now, the whole gamut of our, our assortment's in there. So blueberries, blackberries, raspberry, grapes, figs, pomegranates, those are all in, in the stores. And it's, it's a great time to plant them. Like I say, if the nice thing about these liner sleeves in the farmer market favorite line, if you're not ready to plant them now, you can plant them in spring. But now's the time to get the best selection because this is when we send them out to the nurseries and they generally only get one shipment a year, whether it's farm market favorite berries or with berry trees. Your best selection is going to be right when they hit the stores because they don't get a replenishment like they would do on a regular general ornamental plant. Got one chance a year for the best selection, and now's the time to do it. So hitting most of the stores out here on the West Coast are the farm market favorites, like I said, the blueberries and blackberries. And then in the Midwest, those will be coming out in, say, March or so. Yeah, all gardening is local, but all these plants will eventually make it to your favorite independent nursery. And we should stress, too, that Dave Wilson Nursery is a wholesale grower, and they're selling to independently owned retail nurseries. You won't find them at Home Depot or Lowe's. No, we strictly sell to independent garden centers. That's always been our core business, and those are the nurseries are the ones that supported us, and we do the same. Since we're heading to that area, let's talk about the best varieties on a state-by-state basis. So you have a wonderful web page that we'll have a link to called The Most Ordered Dave Wilson Nursery Home Fruit Varieties by State. And you even list the best seller ones, too, in that process as well. Looking at the list for Northern California. By the way, you divided California into two states. Thank you. Northern California and Southern California, because like I said, all gardening is local and it's different down there than it is up here. Yeah, I think California would take the same type of uh, fruits, but believe it or not, we actually have two distinct zones. 
more of a low chill area, which would be Southern California. We have a mid chill area, which is the San Francisco Bay Area, Sacramento Valley. But as you start getting towards the Oregon area, there's a different zone there too. And that's the uniqueness of California. So that's why we broke down the availability between Southern California and Northern California because the requirements and chill factor are different in Southern California than up here in Northern California. Which is one reason why the Sunset Western Garden Book divided California into 24 separate gardening zones. Yep, that, they were ahead of the game. They understood the, uh, the differences way back when. So here in Northern California, let's talk about the ones that do well in Northern California that are some of your best sellers. And there's some great apples on that list. This list was populated by what most of the nurseries bring in Northern California. And the reason these, if you look at the list, and it's like the old standbys, Fuji, Gala, Granny Smith. Honey crisp. That's what the public wants. Now we grow so many different varieties of apples, antique apples and such. But when it comes down to it, people still tend to gravitate to what they're comfortable with. So that's what this list shows. Blenheim apricots and Moore Park apricots. It's even though we do so many different varieties, this is actually what is the standby plants that sell through their independent garden centers. A lot of good cherry varieties, too, and even one of my favorites, the Stella. Yeah, Stella is a really good producer. It does well in high chill areas and low chill areas. Now, cherries are one variety that really need very specific on their chill hours. And most Southern California doesn't get enough chill hours for cherries. And the Southern California gardener wants cherries. So we're, once again, working with the Zager family, they came up, they were the first to introduce low chill varieties of cherries. And we carry, we grow one called the Royal Crimson. Nice thing about the Royal Crimson, it does well in Southern California, Texas, all of uh, Northern California, but it's self-fertile. So you only need that one tree. You don't need a pollinizer like being a black tart. So that's now becoming, with the climate change going on, that's becoming the Day Wilson Nursery two cherry away from the Stella and away from the Lappins and more into the Royal Crimson. So the homeowner will have success and will have fruit set if you can't depend on having a lot of chill hours. In today's podcast, we've been talking about fruit trees and chill hours. Well, what exactly are chill hours? And are they really that important when considering the fruit tree varieties for your yard? We'll hear about an ongoing experimental orchard in balmy Southern California where growing high chill apple trees has been very successful. And can you really grow an apple tree from a seed? We'll find out. For current newsletter subscribers, look for the All About Chill Hours podcast and newsletter in the Friday, December 16th edition of the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter. It's in your email. And you can also start a subscription. It's free. Find the link in today's show notes or sign up at the newsletter link at our homepage, gardenbasics.net. Let's get back to planting our fruit tree orchard for 2023 with Dave Wilson Nursery's Phil Purcell. You mentioned something else, and we can go down that road, too, because it's very important for new gardeners and those who are expanding their orchard that some trees need a close friend. Slightly different variety, but it improves the pollination of probably both trees. And we should point out, too, that there is a lot of varieties that are self-pollinating. Yes. Yeah, so, for example, there are a lot of, lot of varieties of apples that are self-pollinating, but through our studies... We've come to, to realize that even though it's self-fertile, if you have other varieties of apples around, you get increased yields all the way across the board. This is the same thing with cherries. Certain varieties have to have a pollinator. Being by itself will not fruit. Being with a black tartarian or a lapin will fruit. In fact, when you have two or three varieties of cherries, now, now you're going to get increased fruit on each on each tree. Some categories that don't really need as much pollination is like in the peaches and the nectarines and such. But certain varieties like cherries and apples, best to have a couple of different varieties in there just to help yourself with 
a little bit of little help to set fruit. If you hear a low hum in the background, that's my dehydrator going because I'm busy dehydrating, which has turned out to be a very bountiful year for my Fuyu persimmon. And I love to slice them up, put them on the dehydrator, and have sweet treats all winter long. Now, it used to be in the world of Dave Wilson Nursery that the biggest selling tree you had was the Fuyu persimmon. Is that still true? It is. It's not only the best-selling persimmon we grow, Fuyu persimmon in the home garden market, that's our number one variety that we grow. More than Fuji apple or Honeycrisp apple. And when I tell people that, they are just floored. But easily, Fuyu persimmon buy twice as much as the next variety in popularity. It's just, it's once again, the persimmon is very adaptable throughout the whole country. And it's it's pest free. It's it doesn't get any diseases. And it's just a it's just a great all around tree that really is the very last to harvest of everything that we grow. In fact, so here we are in mid December and our Fuyu trees still have food on, still rock hard. So here there you go. And, to, and, you know, and the trees have totally lost their leaves and it's like these orange ornaments on these beautiful trees. It's just a great, great tree for the landscape. And the Fuyu Persimmon Fan Club wants me to be sure to mention that the persimmon tree is self-fertile, the Fuyu Persimmon, and the fact that, like you say, you can eat it right off the tree once it has a little bit of softness, not the softness that a hachia needs, which is droopy soft, but just a little bit of give. You can eat persimmons, the Fuyu Persimmon, right off the tree. It is. It's just like you're picking an apple off the tree. You can have a Fuyu persimmon in San Diego, and you can have a Fuyu persimmon over on the East Coast. I sell a lot of Fuyu persimmons to the growers out on the East Coast, out on Long Island, New Jersey, and it's a super adaptable tree. And I noticed, too, that as we move to the Northwest, to Oregon and Washington, that there's a lot of sales of berry plants. And that's berry country up in Oregon and Washington, blackberries, raspberries. What are some of the best blackberry varieties and raspberry varieties to grow? On the blackberry varieties, it tends to be best tasting would be something like the Marionberry. They make fantastic shape. But for the homeowner, they tend to want to go with thornless varieties because it's just easier to pick. So we sell in the homeowner or the home garden division, it's a lot about thornless. So the black satin, the boysenberry, we grow the, the thornless boysenberry, triple crown. These are all super popular varieties for the home because Marionberry no, they have little spines on them. These other varieties don't. And that's kind of the same with the raspberries. It's a can be is a great variety for the home gardener because it doesn't have thorns. But like the true what you're used to and then the grocery stores, that's more like the heritage or the you know, Willamette Red. Those have thorns on them. Now we do, within our farm market favorite line, we do have a blackberry and a raspberry, which is part of the bushel and berry series, it just goes right along with planting blueberries in containers. The raspberry shortcake is a bush, small growing raspberry that's meant to be in a container. And the baby cakes blackberry is a blackberry that's bush growing that's meant to be grown in a container. Both of these are thornless. So once again, it just it falls right into the, the backyard home gardener and just making it easy for them to, to have some, do some nice container gardening. And what size container is best for growing a blackberry or a raspberry that's meant for it? The bigger the container, the better off you're going to be. When you see our little farm market favorites, they come in sleeves that are four by nine inches. You don't want to go out and get a like a six inch pot. The bigger, the better. And in fact, if you can, can get like a wine or a whiskey barrel, you can plant two or three in there. If you have a good size container, you're going to be, you're going to get a, just a, a much nicer tree. What tends to happen, yeah, I think this kind of happens in the houseplant world. People tend to maybe plant in too small of a pot. And especially on these berries, whether it's blueberries or blackberries, they have a root system that's going to outgrow in a small pot quickly. So you want to make sure 
that if you're not quite sure on what size pot to get, err on the larger size because it will fill that up in a season. For decades, I have always planted my blueberries in cattle watering troughs. They're widely available at your local farm implement store like Tractor Supply or online, and they're just the perfect size. Maybe drill some holes in the bottom for drainage and paint them up, and they look great. Every time I see those, when I go into a farm supply store, that's exactly what I think. Blueberries or even like the, the baby cakes, the raspberry shortcake. You can fill out, it It just makes a great planter, and it makes the perfect planting size container. Displays nicely out in your patio. Now, one plant that I've noticed gets a lot of exposure, a lot of sale throughout the West, California, Oregon, Washington, are the pluots, the plum apricot cross, plants like dapple dandy, flavored grenade, flavor king. So the pluots are what revolutionized what we like to call the hybrid market. 50 plus years ago, Floyd Zager decided to go one step beyond what Luther Burbank did when Luther Burbank just crossed an apricot and a plum, made a straight cross. Well, what Floyd Zager did is that he improved on that and he started doing what we know as called back crosses. He kept on hybridizing, taking the pollen from one plant to another to the point where he developed what's known as a pluot. A pluot is the genetics as 70% plum and about 30% apricot. So it has the characteristics of a plum, but it gives you little different flavor that the apricot puts in there. The difference between a pluot and a regular plum, when you look at them, they might look very similar, but the the flavor intricacies of a pluot are just so much more dynamic than a standard plum. If you go to a farmer's market, they'll call these pluots by their specific names. But let's say someplace in the Midwest or even back East, they call these pluots plums. They just simplify it. But out here on the West Coast, people specifically go to farmer's markets for these pluots because the flavor is second to none. It's Basically, you take a plum and you increase the, the flavor profile by 100%. Now you got a, a pluot. Flavors are just unbelievable. I believe it's true that grapes are grown in all 50 states, even in Alaska. And there are table grapes and wine grapes, and those are part of your arsenal as well. They are, yeah. There are American hybrids that are meant for the cooler area. European hybrids is like what you would see more out here on the West Coast. And for the homeowner, it's just a way of them to, once again, maybe cover a fence that's unsightly. You put a grapevine on there. You get some fruit off of it. People are more into homesteading. We have a lot of little cottage gardeners who decide that they're going to be the next Robert Mondavi. So they plant, they, they go out and they buy our wine grapes. It's a great way of making just a small investment and playing around and having a little vineyard of your own. And the nice thing about these these farmer market favorite grapes is we have the whole, all the basic wine grapes, all the basic table grapes, we have everything covered for all zones. And it, just like with fruit, the seedless varieties are very popular among table grapes. Things like a crimson seedless or flame seedless or the Thompson seedless. Yep. That's uh, once again, it's the homeowner wants, wants ease. They want to be able to pick it right off and not worry about seeds and all that. Seedless grapes will outsell our seeded grapes 10 to 1. As I'm going through this list of the best sellers on a state-by-state basis, there are there is some commonality, that these fruits that seem to be popular just about everywhere. And there's one that people may not be aware of called the goji berry. What is the goji berry? So the goji berry is a, it's been known to produce high antioxidants. So it is a bush plant that produces like these teardrop, almost tomato looking fruit that can be eaten right off of the plant or you can dry them. And you'll see the goji berries, dried goji berries and all the health food stores. And generally speaking, that's generally how you see them is dried. Very adaptable again. Once again, you can grow them in San Diego. You can grow them in Alaska. They just, they take the super cold. They're, they take the warm area. And it's another one that's great for container gardening. And this is more of something that people want to add some more antioxidants to the diet. But they'll play it around with the goji berry. It's the nice thing about this farmer market favorite is that 
you can play around with all these different plants. It's not a huge investment and see what works for you. The goji berry can be harvested summer through fall. And even though it's called a shrubby plant, it can get eight to 12 feet. But the good news is, I guess you can prune it back to whatever height you want. Absolutely. It takes the hedging very well. And it grows well in containers. It does. And it's it self-fruitful. <laughs> it is. It checks off all the, the desirable attributes for the, for the homeowner. Yeah, I think I just sold myself on getting a goji berry. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah, and I mentioned that the commonality among all these states, and I'm not surprised, of especially apple varieties, seems to be across the board. And you've got your Fujis and Granny Smiths, and they seem to be popular wherever you live. They are. It's Fuji's the number one apple in production. And the reason being is that's what people is their taste buds just always gravitate towards. So it's and it's a great apple. We could try to get fancy with all these different apples and such, but whether it's Fuji or Granny Smith, it's just they, they produce everywhere. They're consistent. And that's one thing that you want in your backyard. You don't want to experiment too much because these this is a time investment that you do when you plant these trees. So you want to make sure that it's something that you're going to have success with. And that's why when you look at this list that we have populated, that's just that's a good starting point for a homeowner. It's just we're not saying this is the only thing to plant. But if you're a beginner, this is where you start and then you, you expand from there. Yeah. One nice thing about both the Fuji and the Granny Smith apple is they're self-fertile. But I would imagine that even though they're self-fertile, they would do better with a, another variety nearby. They do. In fact, in my backyard... Actually, I have a Fuji, a Granny Smith, and a Pink Lady all growing in, a, in the same hole. And, it, and now it's just one big bush that I just harvested all the Fuji apples off of it last week. I got a ton of it. And it was just because I had literally six inches away, I had another pollinizer, which was the Granny Smith and the Pink Lady. And they all, they work together. This is something that we like people to go ahead and try is multiple plantings in a single hole. You can put in your backyard, especially if you have a smaller backyard. If you take a look at this list that we have, it's going to go ahead and get you into the right type for the different states. Texas, you can tell that it's low chill varieties. If you go into the Midwest, like Kansas or even Washington and Oregon, these tend to be, especially in the peaches and the nectarines, apricots, these are later flowering varieties that will uh, tends type of late frost. When you look at this list, it gives you an idea of a good starting point. And then use our website as, as a reference because each variety will tell you if it's a later blooming variety. And if you're in a more cold climate state, you want a variety that blooms later. If you're in California, Southern California, heck, you don't care if a variety blooms in February or January even. You're not going to have the frost. Gardening is all local. And we grow all the different varieties to make sure that they fit into everyone's profile. If you go to the, their homepage, DaveWilson.com, and you hover over the tab towards the top of the page that says Home Garden, there's a drop-down menu that includes, like, where to buy Dave Wilson product, upcoming events, the product catalog, all about backyard orchard culture, the fruit and nest harvest chart dates that we talked about, the YouTube channel, recent videos. And one of my favorite pages is the fruit variety recommendations, because one question when people are perusing the rows and rows of bare root fruit trees, you might hear somebody mumble, what does it taste like? Fruit variety recommendations is where you go on the Dave Wilson website to find out what these fruits taste and how did they score? Because from that link, you can go to the fruit tasting reports that are, have been compiled, I think, what, over 20 years or so with the several panels of experts every year. And they basically rate the Dave Wilson varieties of all the fruits on all sorts of uh, criteria of the way it looks, the acidity, the sugar, the flavor. Imagine being locked in a room for an entire day and you're tasting 25 different apple varieties. <laughs> but well, the door isn't locked. Okay. Yeah, so that's what we that's what we do because we want to make sure that we get the right varieties into the backyard of the home gardener. This is the research that we've done in the past to to make it easy for someone who is on the fence on what to do, just you can always kind of cross-reference our fruit taste winners or 
just a, what's a, something a low chill or something higher chill. Our website is has just a plethora of information on it that we want people to do a little research before you head on out to your independent garden center. And that just that way, when you go out there, you're not overwhelmed. You have a list of things that you're looking for. And if you see it, like I say, now's the time to get it. You know, our bare root trees will be getting into the stores here at the first of the year. And it really is the best time to get the best selection because once these stores are sold out, that's it until uh, the following January. Yeah. And if you don't want to pour through all eight pages of the fruit tasting report, they have another page of the Dave Wilson Nursery Top 50 Home Garden Tree Fruit Varieties. And that takes into consideration a lot of different factors. Number one is the Flavor King Pluot. Really? It goes back to the Flavor King Pluot is like the Fuji apple. It's sometimes those old varieties are are still the most favored. And to, to this day, and the Pluot line, it's been really tough to outdo the Flavor King. The Flavor King and Dapadani, those were the original. And there are other great varieties on there, too. If you're looking for a tasty apricot variety, the Blenheim apricot is in the top 10, as is the Weeping Santa Rosa plum, which, in my mind, has a better taste to it than the regular Santa Rosa plum. But being a Santa Rosa plum means you're going to get a lot of plums. And it's going to be in a short period of time. Yes. Just understand that. If you, if you want a can, that's a great one to go with. But understand. So those are little things, little tidbits to understand. So when you're out there searching for the new fruit tree, maybe you want the Santa you Maybe you want everything all at once. But if not, maybe consider a Pluri. Since I'm sitting here in Barking Dog Studio staring out the window, I'm staring at, I'm not only staring at the tree, I'm also enjoying the fruit from the tree right now that's been made into a muffin. It is a fig tree. It's the Violet de Bordeaux fig, and it is a tasty fig. It's a nice, polite tree. It doesn't get too out of hand. If you've never had fig muffins, hey, they're good. Yeah, also uh, with your dehydrate, that's another one that really, you know, because it's a smaller fig, that's one that really lends itself to dehydrate. So you can enjoy it all winter long. And what's nice is you get two crops a year. You get a spring crop and a fall crop. You do. A lot to choose from. Check out DaveWilson.com for more information about growing fruit and nut trees. It is an encyclopedia for anybody who's interested in fruits and nuts. And you can find out a lot more at their website, DaveWilson.com. And be sure to check out all the videos they have on how to plant and grow all their delicious varieties of fruit and nut trees. It's going to be a great fruit and nut year for 2023. It should be part of your gardening plans. Phil Purcell, Dave Wilson Nursery, thanks so much for hanging out and talking fruit with us today. It's been my pleasure, Fred. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast comes out once a week on Fridays. Plus, the newsletter podcast that comes with the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter continues, and that will also be released on Fridays. Both are free, and they're brought to you by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. The Garden Basics podcast is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes our homepage, gardenbasics.net. And that's where you can also sign up for the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter and podcast. That's Garden Basics. Basics.net, or you can use the links in today's show notes. And thank you so much for listening.